Healer of diseases, master of nature, conqueror of demons and death. Jesus not only preached the kingdom of God in words, but he demonstrated it in power through his miraculous works. This lesson series, The Miracles of Jesus, has been taking an in-depth look at eight of Jesus' miracles, opening our eyes to their impact on the lives of those he touched and revealing to us God's heart and their significance for us today. Now the Gospels record 34 different miracles of Jesus. These miracles included healings of all kinds of diseases and infirmities, resurrections of the dead, deliverances from demon possessions, numerous masteries over nature, and much, much more. Now, of course, those are not the only miracles that Jesus performed. In fact, John 20 and verse 30 tells us Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. What is a miracle? As you see in your lesson notes for the purpose of this lesson series, we've defined it this way. A miracle happens when God, who is continuously active in the world, breaks with his usual pattern and does something extraordinary and supernatural. Why miracles? What's the purpose of miracles? In John's own words, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Over and over again, the Gospels remind us that the purpose of the miracles of Jesus was to reveal his glory so that we might believe in him. If I could sum it up in a sentence, I'd say the purpose of miracles is this. Jesus works. Authenticate Jesus Words. You ought to have that memorized by now. Jesus works, authenticate Jesus' words. Simply we put we believe who Jesus is and what he said because of what he did. His miracles. Well today we come to this eighth and final lesson. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. The story of this miracle is recorded in Matthew 20, Mark 10, and in Luke 18. Our main focus is going to be on Mark's account. So let's begin by looking at the scripture together. And before we work our way through these verses in Mark 10, let's pause and ask God to speak to us clearly from his word. Would you pray with me? Here we sit at your feet again, Lord Jesus, to learn of you. You are the master. You are the Lord. You are rabbi, the teacher. We're your students. We're your disciples. And we sit at your feet to watch and observe and listen. So open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the truth of your word that it could be planted there and take root and Produce in us the fruit that you want it to produce in our lives. We're not looking for information today, Lord. We're looking for transformation. The kind of transformation that Bartimaeus felt when he went from blind to seeing. Help us to see you, Jesus, for who you are today. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. As always, let's be sure we understand the setting or the context for today's lesson. This miracle takes place on the Saturday before Jesus' 
crucifixion. Immediately before the last week of his earthly life, we would call it, I guess, the eve of the Passion Week. The day after this brief stop in Jericho, Jesus will enter Jerusalem triumphantly, riding on a donkey as the crowds shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is Jesus' final public miracle. And the 31st of 34 miracles recorded in the four Gospels. Only three miracles will follow, and they're not as public. Jesus will curse a fig tree. Jesus will heal Malchus's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's arrested. And following his resurrection, Jesus will provide a great catch of fish for his disciples. And so the healing of this blind man named Bartimaeus will be the last openly public miracle that Jesus will perform. Jesus knew what the coming week would hold. In fact, right here in Mark chapter 10, in verses 32 through 34, he told his apostles very clearly, for the third time actually, that he would be arrested, tried, and sentenced to die at the hands of the Jewish leaders and the Romans. Now this brief stopover in Jericho would result in at least the salvation of two individuals. First, this blind man, Bartimaeus, that we'll read about in a moment. But secondly, also the tax collector, Zacchaeus, whose story is told in Luke chapter 19. Both of these men encountered Jesus while he passed through Jericho. Let's read the entire story first, and then we'll go back and work our way through it verse by verse. Mark chapter 10, follow along in your Bible. We pick it up with verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now with that whole story in mind then, let's go back and dig in to these verses in order to gain a better understanding of this miracle. Beginning with verse 46. Look at it again with me. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples... Together with a large crowd, yes, there was a large crowd still following him. As they were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And so they came to Jericho. As you can see on this map, Jericho is just to the east of Jerusalem. It's, uh, he's come now from the north. Remember, we talked about that last week and made his way south. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Last week, we found him on the border between Galilee and Samaria, remember? Now he's made it further south. He's come into Jericho from the north. Then he has passed out of Jericho, and he made his way, Scripture tells us, to Bethany, which was the hometown right outside of the city of Jerusalem of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. 
He went briefly, number three, into the city of Jerusalem on Saturday night, but because it was so late in the day, he came back out, number four, to Bethany, again to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and they held a dinner in his honor. And it was at that dinner, you might recall, that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with an expensive alabaster jar of perfume. Remember that story? And then the very next day, Jesus would have reversed and gone right back into Jerusalem, this time entering Jerusalem triumphantly upon a donkey as the king, what we would call Palm Sunday. However, getting back to today's text, as they were leaving the city, Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now don't forget, this is April. The Passover is just a week away. That means many Jewish families were making their way to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. This was the perfect time and place for Bartimaeus to be sitting by the roadside begging. (laughs) More than any other time of the year, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem would have been crowded with throngs of people making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And if you want to be a successful beggar, you go where the crowds are. Right? Okay. And Bartimaeus was a blind man, and that explains why he was a beggar. We don't know what caused his blindness, whether he was born blind or became blind due to some illness or injury, but we do know that blind people in the first century were pretty much reduced to begging. Jewish theology taught, incorrectly by the way, that blindness was the result of divine judgment. If you were blind, it was because God was punishing you for something. Wrong, but that's what they taught. And that made you a social and religious outcast, and such was Bartimaeus. Look at verses 47 and 48. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. The parallel passage in Luke 18, verses 36 and 37, puts it this way. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. He had to ask because he couldn't see it, right? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Ding! Jesus, I've heard that name. I know who he is. Obviously, Bartimaeus immediately recognized the name and he began screaming and shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He tries to be heard, you see, over the noise of the crowd, the din of the mob with all of its myriad conversations. And when many rebuked him and told him, be quiet, he just shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Interesting, son of David. Stop to think about that for a minute. What's Bartimaeus saying there? This is a messianic title. 2 Samuel chapter 7 tells us the Messiah would be heir to David's kingdom. In fact, this is the most common first century Jewish title for the Messiah. Son of David. In Luke 1 verses 31 through 33, the angel Gabriel, when he appeared to Mary to pronounce the birth of the coming Messiah, he said, you will conceive... And give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom shall never end. 
So what's Bartimaeus saying here? He's acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah. Son of David is synonymous with Messiah. Jesus, Son of David. Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. Well, Bartimaeus' is screaming and shouting worked. So look at verses 49 and 50. <laughs> Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Luke 18 verse 40 puts it this way. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. We've got to understand, of course, that he had to have somebody lead the way, right? Because he was blind. I love the way that Mark records what happens next. So they, they called to the blind man, Cheer up! <laughs> On your feet! He's calling you! Can you just imagine the way that Bartimaeus may have felt at that moment? Verse 50 tells us, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak aside, that's kind of interesting. Probably his only possession, by the way. His most prized possession, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like he was saying, you know, nothing's going to get in the way of me getting to Jesus. Nothing. Heart pounding, Bartimaeus wasn't going to let this opportunity slip away. He scrambled to his feet and he made his way to Jesus as quickly as possible. And standing before Jesus, son of David, Messiah, look at what happens next in verse 51. There we go. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? I mean, we look at that question. What do you want me to do for you? Duh. As we read the text, we think the answer is pretty obvious, but you'd be surprised how many times that Jesus asked a question like that to someone who called for him. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. In the meantime, Bartimaeus answers as we would expect him to, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, the Greek word actually is Rabboni, it's the word for master. In Luke 18.41, he addressed Jesus as Lord. And so, Master and Lord, Bartimaeus was humbling himself, you see, before Jesus. He was acknowledging Jesus' position as Master and Lord while placing himself in the position of servant and slave. Fully surrendered. That's the point. Fully surrendered to the authority of Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And Bartimaeus replies, I want to see. (laughs) And look at what happens then in verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The parallel passage in Matthew 20 verse 34 tells us that Bartimaeus had a companion actually, another blind man, and that Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And so once again, as we've seen throughout this series... The healing power of Jesus. Touch. Here in verse 52, Jesus says, Your faith has healed you. Again, that's the favorite word that Jesus uses so often, sozo, in the Greek. The word for salvation, actually. 
Not just physical healing, but spiritual healing. Wholeness. Literally, as with the one leper last week, remember in our story, your faith has saved you. Now the evidence of Bartimaeus' physical healing is that he immediately received his sight. The evidence of Bartimaeus' spiritual healing is that he followed Jesus. Luke 18 verse 43 says that he followed Jesus praising God. In fact, it's interesting that secular history, early church tradition, tells us that Bartimaeus followed Jesus from this point forward in his life until the day he died. In fact, we're told that he was in the crowd at Jesus' triumphal entry, that he was in the crowd at Jesus' crucifixion, that he was with the 500 who witnessed Jesus resurrected, that he was in the 120 who met in the upper room awaiting the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when it says that Bartimaeus followed Jesus, I want you to understand he he was all in. (laughs) He was all in. I mean, he followed Jesus until the day Bartimaeus died. Well, that's a look at the Scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together? Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. I want to share with you two practical lessons from today's text. The first one has to do with what happens when Jesus approaches us. What happens when Jesus approaches us? I take you once again to verses 47 and 48. When he heard that it was Jesus, don't miss those words, when he heard that it was Jesus... He began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Again, Luke 18, verses 36 through 39, puts it this way. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus is passing by. Again, don't miss those words. Jesus is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Whatever else we may learn from the story of this miracle today, we must learn what to do when Jesus approaches us. It's pretty clear from today's text that if Bartimaeus hadn't shouted, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, If he hadn't yelled at the top of his lungs to get Jesus' attention, Jesus would have passed him by. If Bartimaeus hadn't seized the moment, he would have remained blind. If Bartimaeus hadn't taken advantage of the opportunity, no miracle would have been performed. And whatever else this teaches us, certainly we must learn to seize the moment when Jesus approaches us. When we encounter a Jesus moment, when we come face to face with our Master and Lord, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of some life-changing decision that we must make, when the door of opportunity opens before us to take a step of faith, we must, we simply must, do what it takes to respond. We must put it into action. Throwing our cloak aside, (laughs) removing any and all obstacles that would stand in our way, we must, like Bartimaeus, jump to our feet and come running to Jesus. 
Growing up in the church, I can remember singing the old hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, Hear my humble cry, While on others thou art calling, Do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, Hear my humble cry, While on others thou art calling, Do not pass me by. Yeah, some of you know that too. Do not. Jesus, do not pass me by. We must never, no never, let a Jesus moment pass us by. (laughs) When Jesus is passing by, when we encounter one of those rare moments when the Holy Spirit is obviously moving and convicting, we must cry out to Him. We must seize the moment. We must surrender to Him as Master and Lord Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. Next Sunday's Decision Sunday. And some of you may feel God tugging at your heart about one of these decisions. Whether it be a decision for salvation, for the very first time to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of your life. Or a decision for rededication because you know that you've been wandering from the Lord and your life has not been on track as it should and it's time for you as a prodigal to come home to the Father. It's time for you to break the bonds of the chains that bind you, whatever's holding you captive, whatever addiction or secret sin or habit you need to break. For some of you, baptism. Never been baptized. You need to resolve that before the Lord and obey that command. For others of you, partnership. Membership in the church. It's time to take a stand. It's time to make a decision. Don't let Jesus pass you by with this moment of decision. If this is the hour of decision, then make the decision. I challenge you, make the decision. Do whatever it is God is calling you to do. Let's read 1 Kings 18 and verse 21 out loud together. Would you read it with me? How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow Him. Make up your minds. Yeah, make up your mind. So the first lesson from today's text is that we must learn to do what to do when Jesus approaches us. Now the flip side of that is lesson number two. What are we supposed to do when we approach Jesus? What are we supposed to do when we approach Jesus? When Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and came to Jesus, when he approached Jesus, he was confronted... With this question in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Now again, at first glance, we might think that question is totally unnecessary. I mean, isn't it obvious that Bartimaeus was going to respond, I I want to see. (laughs) However, upon closer examination, perhaps the answer is not so obvious. I mean, why, really, had Bartimaeus called upon Jesus? What were his real motives? How much or how little did he believe that Jesus could actually do for him? Don't you think Jesus realized how important it was for Bartimaeus to put words to his faith? 
In fact, Jesus did that quite often. Asked people to put words to their faith. What do you want me to do for you? question reminds me of the question Jesus asked the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. We studied a few lessons ago. Remember that? John 5, verse 6. Do you want to get well? (laughs) 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 Do you want to? I mean, really, come on. Do you want to get well? The fact is, there are many who do not want to get well. Lame who do not want to walk. Deaf who do not want to hear. Lepers who do not want to be cleansed. Blind who do not want to see. Lost who do not want to be saved. They'd rather remain a victim. They'd rather wallow in the pig pen of their misery. They would rather continue begging because that's all they know. In fact, they have accepted the lie, I am blind, I am a beggar, that is who I am, and nothing else can ever happen. It's sad. Actually, there's another facet to be discovered in Jesus' question. What do you want me to do for you? You see, Jesus had just asked this very same question of James and John earlier in this same chapter, in Mark chapter 10. Flip back there with me. you got your Bible open. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Look at it with me. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, that's kind of brazen, isn't it? Hey, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. And so what's Jesus say? Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? Oh, that sounds familiar. What do you want me to do for you? And they replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Ah, Jesus, we want prestige. We want some honor. We want some power. We want the position. We want you to give us some privilege here. Would you just take care of the two of us? Because we really, we really, really, really kind of dig this idea of ruling at your side. Let's be candidly honest here. Many times our prayer lives are me-centered. It's all about me. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And we answered, Jesus, I'd really like for you to do this, or I'd really like for you to do that. I'd really like for you to give me this. I'd really like to have that. (laughs) You know, that would be, I've really always wanted that. Something that's selfish, something that's going to make us happy, something that's going to bring us pleasure, something that's going to promote us. Sometimes I think we act as though God was a vending machine. God, thank you for your goodness. Lord, I know you want me to be blessed and happy. And that's why, God, I pray you, please, let me have this Corvette I've been looking at. I really like it. And God, if it be your will, 
please make it cherry red. Amen. Lord, I'm single. And I'd really like to find that special someone. I kind of thought you'd have this problem figured out by now. Anyway, now is the time, Lord. Make it happen. Bring me a man. Lord, I know it is your desire to make your children happy. And I've got a situation here. Um, all of my neighbors have gotten in-ground pools. I'm the only one on the block that doesn't have one. God, you can do better than this. As you know, Lord, I just released my first album, and it's not getting the kind of attention I hoped for. God, I know that you are capable of anything. You're all powerful. So please, Lord, make my album trend. Make it trend, Lord, make it trend. Ignite social media with your holy fire so that I may be glorified in all I do. Amen. Why isn't this working? Come on! I want this car! God, give it to me! Right now! Hello? Hello? I don't understand! Where's my pool? Why is this not working? What is wrong with this thing? God, what are you doing? I want this! What is going on? Listening to me? God, are you even listening to me? Hmm. Honestly, isn't that how we sometimes approach Jesus? We ignore the real needs, the deep needs, and we are blind to the most important needs while we seek the car, the relationship, the pool, the success. Money, comfort, happiness, all the me stuff. Like the brothers James and John. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Lord, give us some privileges here. I mean, you know, I am faithfully serving you. I deserve something here. Come on, give me a break. No. When we approach Jesus, it must be with humility, brokenness. Surrendering our will to Him. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Rabbi, I just want to see. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon preached in a sermon from this same text on August the 7th, 1859. He said it so well, I'm just going to read it. You can follow along. 
Let me beseech you to go home to your room and there kneeling by your bedside by faith picture the Savior saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? Fall on your knees and without hesitation tell him all. Tell him you are guilty and that you desire that he would pardon you. Confess your sins. Keep none of them back. Say, Lord, I implore you, pardon my drunkenness, my profanity, or whatever else it may be that you have been guilty of. And then still imagine hearing him say, what do you want me to do for you? Tell him, Lord, I would be kept from all those sins in the future. I shall not be content with being pardoned. I want to be renewed. Tell him you have a hard heart and ask him to soften it. Tell him you have blind eyes and that you can't see your interest in Christ. Ask him to open your heart. Confess before him you're full of iniquity and prone to wander. Ask him to take your heart and wash it and then set it on things above and prevent it from being fond of things of the earth any longer. Tell it out plainly. Make a frank and full confession in his presence. Imitate the blind man in the explicitness and straightforwardness of his confession and his request. Rabbi... I want to see. And Jesus comes to us and says, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, Master, have mercy on me. So the second lesson from today's text is that we must learn to do what, what to do when we approach Jesus. The miracles of Jesus. This morning we've looked at Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus here in Mark chapter 10. And may God help us to apply these two lessons to our everyday lives. We must learn what to do when Jesus approaches us. We must never ever let such an opportunity slip by. And second, we must learn to do what to do when we approach Jesus. Not demanding, not pushing buttons on a vending machine. <laughs> no. But humbly crying out for His mercy and His grace in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank You for teaching us again from Your Word. This has been a an amazing series of lessons, Lord, as we've learned about these miracles and how you touch the lives of those, Jesus, that you just bumped into in the course of your everyday life. Your mercy and your grace, your miraculous power at work. You love, Jesus, like no one loves. As we wrap up this series this morning, I pray that we would always see you, Jesus, as the miraculous one. Yes, you were 100% man, but you were also 100% God. And you are able to do in our lives far more than we could ever ask or even imagine. Help us not to be afraid to humble ourselves before you and to cry out for your mercy, your grace. And Jesus, we would ask that you would touch our eyes so we could see. All this we pray in the powerful, miraculous, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.